0: Welcome to AATB Draft Talk, and I want to uh, introduce my co-host Tommy Barnett and our special guest uh, Levar Arrington. We want to thank you for coming on the show, um, and we really appreciate it.
1: Appreciate you guys having me on. Um,
0: the first question that that I have, it it goes along, you know, it's a draft show. Um, you know, to be the best linebacker in the draft is another linebacker that wore eleven. Micah Parsons. Um, what kind of a player is Parsons? Like, you watch him on the field. He can do just about everything. And you watch that highlight, like like we watched the highlight of you during your time at Penn State. And you saw a lot of – for me, I saw a lot of similarities in the game that he could do absolutely everything on the field. And I know you're close with him. What kind of a player is, is Micah?
1: Micah is – He's complete. Um, he's, he's able to rush. He's able to tackle. He's able to cover. So he's, he's, he's a trifector. So he's a, he's a complete guy. He has a defensive end background, played defensive end in, in high school, uh, transitioned seamlessly and effortlessly into a, a linebacker at the college level, Probably taking the athleticism that he had because he was a tailback. And I think anybody who plays defense that was a tailback when they were uh, in high school or at some point prominently during their playing days, I think they make the best defensive players. So he had a lot lot of background, a lot of time developing, a lot of skill. And I think that you've seen that play out with the way, um, the way he plays on on the field. But I would also say, people probably aren't aware of how intelligent a football player that he is. His football IQ—if you ever sit and talk to him about breaking down and understanding the game, you know how it's run by by formation, how it's dictated by personnel groupings, the kid is really sharp. He's really sharp. Um, he's a student of the game, and he's a fan of the game. So, I mean, I would say he's he's complete.
2: Since you say that he's like a complete player, he has like the, basically the full package to him. Do you think there's any player in the league currently now that can compare to him or someone you played with in your career?
1: <sighs> he's like a – I don't want to do this, but it's really what I think. He's like a Ray Lewis that can blitz. Okay. He's like a Ray Lewis that can blitz. Like he 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 gets to the ball. Like if you watch his film, I mean, obviously he he set a, a school record, you know, uh, you know, by by being the first freshman to ever lead the team and tackle. So he's always getting up off of the ball. And, and if you, know, you watch Ray, Ray was always getting up off of the ball. But Micah Parsons can also pass rush. So it's, it's you know, that's a, it's the closest comparison, maybe.
0: You, you talk about that. And, and the one thing, if people who didn't watch a lot of Penn State games uh, last year, that bowl game against Memphis, when they played in 2019, the bowl game, um, and what he did on it, just I, I feel like it elevated what he could do and what a lot of the people who didn't watch Penn state, a lot of Penn state and know a lot of, about Micah. And I feel like that game really shot his stock way up as being one of the top linebackers coming out. Um,
1: Micah's deceptive. Um, When you watch games like that, you'll see some of the big plays that he makes and not even realize how many tackles he's had in the game or, you know, he impacts the game in a way where you don't even you don't even see it happening. So he's not like one of those guys that's like really kind of he's not noisy with with how he plays. If if Micah was more of a like a self attention drawing type of guy, he would probably be talked about so much more than what he is right now. And and so when you see his game, his game is kind of deceptive. It's almost it's almost like you got to watch him twice to appreciate him.
0: No, that's um, like talk. I want to bring up another player who's draft eligible, Jason Owa, who played oh, Penn man. State as well. And yeah. we're going to be talking, uh, Tommy and I. Uh, We're going to later on in this show, we're going to be talking about the edge rushers, the defensive end prospects. And I know you firsthand able to watch him and know of him. Like what do what's what kind of a player is like? I feel he's a player that a lot of people don't know about. But his making his ceiling is an all pro type of level just of what he can do on the field.
1: I mean, athletically speaking, he's like the freak. He's like Javon. Like and and for those who think I'm kidding, they said that Javon ran like a four four low four three forty, something crazy like mid to low. Jason Oway is going to run, he might, he might touch four three, he might touch four three. Man, so so I'll I'll drop the mic with that and I'll say. If he doesn't get it, he will be very close. And that just tells you the type of explosiveness off of the ball, potentially speaking, that you're going to get in Jason Oway. And he he took some he took some really great strides. If you watch his game film this year, although there were some, you know, obviously some dark moments for this season. If you watch Jason always film, he did some really, really good things every single game. Every game. Whether it was his technique, his use of his hands, his flushing the plays, rushing the quarterback. You know, there, there had to have been at least four or five times every single game that he was literally a half a step away from getting a sack on the play. And... I think that just goes to say the the capabilities and the potential of Jason no way his, his upside is it's, it's pretty staggering. It, it's, it's I'm, I'm high on him. I'm pretty high on him.
2: How high do you have him up in your rankings? Do you think he's one of the top guys could go first round this year?
1: I think he goes first round. And I think he goes first round just based off of what what the what the the tangibles of who he is, the capabilities of who he is, and what that represents. It certainly will bode well for his his draft grade after the pro day. So to me, he definitely will be a first round guy.
0: So you know, looking at the NFL and the my, my big thing with you, you as being a, being a linebacker in the league and knowing that position, how do you think the game has changed since you last played to what it is now with linebackers? You know, you don't see a lot of three linebacker sets. You see a lot of the two linebackers and basically the linebacker position is, you know, they have, there's a hybrid here and there's a, a lot of differences. And I know um, you do a lot of for FS1 uh, talking about uh, sports and everything like that with football and all. What, what do you say, like the linebacker position now, than what it used to be?
1: Well, you don't have to be as big as linebackers were at one point in time. You have to be mobile. You have to be able to cover um, because it's a passing league. It's a passing league now. So it's just one of those things where you got to be mobile. You still have to have a a really, really good ability and a sense of being able to shed off blockers um, because they're still going to try to run. But for the most part, you still have to be a guy that can be able to cover really well, tackle in space with, with everything that's going on. And that's, you know, to me, that's I think that that's the evolution of the position because you, you in general... You generally needed a physical, uh, a guy that could handle three hundred pound linemen and and be able to stuff the run first and take on tight ends. It's not as it's it's not as physical a game that way anymore. It's so it's really evolved into really being able to elude and to be able to pursue um, and to cover. Yeah, that's prominent now.
0: Yeah, we're not going to see any more of the, the big LeVon Kirkland, almost 300-pound middle linebackers anymore.
1: The game's kind of uh, I mean, gone away everything from Everything cycles. Everything cycles. So you never know. They may bring the fullback back. They may bring the prominence of the H-back back. They, you know, they may go to a three-back three, three back set. Who knows? You know, things repeat themselves. So it's just what the, the sign of the times call for. You know what I mean? Supply and demand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I I agree with you with that. Now, I want your feeling that you no, know, we do a lot of Eagles stuff here. Um, and Jalen Hurts is the right now the quarterback number one for the Eagles. Um, I want your thoughts on him as what you see because I see a lot of poise and a lot. You know, he's out working out. He's doing a lot of things and just watching him last year. Yeah, the Eagles were very bad eleven and one. There's you know no ifs ands buts about that. But watching him in his poise for a rookie that hardly had any OTAs with the pandemic and everything that went on, um, how what do you see in in Jalen Hurts as the quarterback?
1: Well, I'll say this: I was high on him coming out of college. Um, I'm a fan of his play. I'm a fan of how he handles adversity. He showed in college that you know he's the ultimate team player and and someone who has. An an old soul, a, a level of maturity that is commendable. Um, seeing him, seeing him get out there, uh, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. He had one win as a starter, and and that was a big win. That was that was a significant win. That was an immediate signature win, being able to go into New Orleans and win. Um, but then he cooled off a little bit you know, and I don't know if that was a product of what was going on as a whole for the team. I don't know if it was the defenses caught up to him once he became a starter. I think this is a very pivotal year for him to to prove that he can not only be a starter in this league, but can actually be trusted and depended on to be, you know, on the level of a franchise guy. And I do believe he has the ability uh, and the talent to be able to to prove that, but I think this is this is the, the a very early but yet very pivotal year for Jalen Hurts.
2: So, so if you're the you're the Eagles, you stick with Jalen Hurts, you try to develop him instead of drafting a quarterback, trading up.
1: I think that's up to the coach. You bring in a new coach. He didn't draft him. And even though he was somewhat of a high draft pick, it wasn't high enough where you you have to marry yourself to him. So I think that comes down to the comfort level of the coach and what he believes uh, Jalen Hurts brings to the table.
0: So I want to question with you, who is so a lot of people are, are talking about like the top quarterbacks in the draft do you see a super movement of basically Lawrence number one at Jacksonville? And then after that, do you see a bunch a quarterback run or how would you usually see the board playing out?
1: I'm going to say linemen. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking linemen are going to still be a necessity early on in this year's draft. I don't, I don't have the names handy. Um, in terms of breaking down the prospects at, at the line, offensive line position. But I would assume that if this is a strong enough class um, in terms of good linemen, I would assume early on, whether it be an Alabama or, or an Iowa or Wisconsin guy or Michigan, I would assume, or even Penn State, you know, maybe not, not so high in the first round. Um, but, you know, I could see – I can see O-linemen. O-linemen, uh, edge rusher maybe this year. I think an edge rusher will go go early. Um, hopefully a linebacker goes early. <laughs> um, that would be nice to see.
0: So I want to uh, thank you for coming on. I do have one more question before we we let you go. Sure. Um, it's going to be not talking about the draft, but more about the college aspect as I'm wearing my Penn state shirt. I have to always represent Penn state. It's wonderful. There you it's go. Exactly. We and are. I want your feeling on, on them going into next year um, and what kind of a team that they have, because they also have, they have a bunch of players that are going to be uh, prospects in next year's draft as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want your feeling on, I'm going to go stick with the, I want to go with the linebacker position again. Uh, Jesse yeah, yep. is another big he's, – he's a huge linebacker, but he does so many things on the field.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited about Jesse. I like Ellis as well. I like mm-hmm. Brandon. I mean, I know you're probably going to run down the whole list, so I'll just jump on it. <laughs> Go um, ahead. I think they have the makings of a special group, but they're going to have to come together and they're going to have to really, really make the, the commitment that that's what they want to do and that's what they want to be I think individually they're they're amazing talents and Jesse laketta is 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 a leader Jesse laketta is is one of those guys that you love to have him as a player on your team kind of like a throwback mentality um, Brandon is is like you know he's he's the movie star you know he's he's the bright lights he's the the sunglasses. And the convertible, you know, car, and that's pretty dope, you know. And that that's that's their games, you know. Uh, you know, Ellis is is like more of a hard hat lunch pail type of dude, you know, more blue collar in his approach, um, and very very smart, very very understanding, learn it on on the game. So I like, and then you got young guys, you know, that are in the mix as well, that that will be making entries. Um, this season so you know I think the linebacking core looks amazing I'll be interested to see what what our what our defensive front will look like Um, I still have to do some homework on what that looks like now moving forward Um, I know there's some pretty good young talent but you know I'll have to to go into my my little you know my huddle study study deal to kind of get a little bit more acquainted with the guys that that are coming out this year and same with the secondary, some new guys, but you know, Porter, Porter is I think this is gonna be a very, very big year for him, defining what he's got going on. Castro coming back, that's big time. He's a big time player. Um, mm-hmm. I love his game. I love who he is as a person. Um so I mean and Brisker I, I just, coming back too helps. What's that?
0: Brisker coming back too helps yep. as well.
1: It's I tell it's it's some really really to me, I think there's some really, really encouraging um, aspects of, of the Penn State defense to, to focus in on. Um, I think they can be as good as they want to be, and I think Coach Franklin has, you know, w- looking at some of the decision that he's made this offseason and personnel changes and different things like that, guys they've gone um, after in the, the transfer portal, it looks as though the philosophy is is evolving in the right direction. I think we would all say that we saw some of the concerns that maybe was holding the team back this year. And it looks like he's addressed those issues as we've moved forward.
0: And exactly. And I want to, like I said, I want to thank you again, Lavar. Um, I appreciate I know you guys answer, having me on. I know your answer. Um, best atmosphere in college football, state college, whiteout at night.
1: Absolutely. We got to uh, get back to it.
0: Exactly. I agree fly with you. Fly, Eagles, fly. There we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Take right. Take care. <laughs> All right, you guys. Nice for right, Thanks guys. for joining us. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. All right. righty. And It was great hearing from him uh, talk about the linebacker process. Talk about Parsons. You know, we, we spoke about Parsons last week uh, with uh, Soko's rankings. And, you know, we're going to get into Owa, who he also uh, talked very highly of as well. So – uh, I'm going to turn over to you, Tommy, since you know, we we talked about edge guys. So these are going to be your edge prospect guys. Um, so your number one edge rusher is the guy that you're very high on. I know that. we we said it the whole time. You've been super high on this guy.
2: Yeah, if you've been watching uh, AATV Draft Talk, uh, you know <laughs> I'm pretty high on Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Uh, I'm, I think I'm higher on him, and the media is a bit higher than him than the league, though. A lot of the league I've seen Daniel Jeremiah kind of has him more towards the bottom in the first, but I like him. I think he's already a pro ready run defender and he really already shows those flashes of the pass rusher, 22 pressures in four games this year. He only had two sacks. Uh, both came in the first game against Minnesota, but he, over the last two seasons, he has the highest pass rush win rate of any player in the big 10. Uh, and he's second highest of any player in the league, just behind uh Chase Young with a, uh, 26.5%. Uh also former Michigan defensive coordinator Don Brown, he once called him the smartest football player that he's ever coached. And that guy's been coaching since 1972. <laughs> so,
0: you know, and and he's had some pretty good productive players recently come out, Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary. So, you know, he, he's had some pretty pretty good players come out recently, but that that's super high praise. Um, yeah. you know, on on a player like like Pelic, you know, he has all the makings, he has all the tools um, to be, you know, one of those elite pass rushers. But I feel like, like, like these rankings, any, all these pass rushers can kind of intertwine and, you know, basically interchange each other in terms of the numbers because I feel like this class is so deep. And if you're a team that needs uh, pass rushers, this is the class you're going to get it. And, um, you know, Jason Sullivan's, you know, he's also a Michigan State guy, so uh, he doesn't he doesn't think too highly of Don Brown. But uh, I don't I'm not a Michigan fan, so it's it's okay. Uh, that's why I'll give that. But your number two guy is a guy from Georgia.
2: Uh, number two, I have Aziz Ojolari. Uh, I think he he has the highest sack rate among edge, edge defenders with 4.7% of his snaps. He gets the pressure. He plays with a high motor, as you see in the film here. Great burst off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's a big playmaker. Four forced fumbles last season. Uh, I think right now he weighs at around 240, and he's went, he mostly wins with his speed and athleticism at the point of the pass rush. If he's able to develop more, more of a technique, Besides just winning with his speed, I think that he could be a double digit sack guy at the next level. He's going to have to increase his play strength a little bit too. But the fact that he's flashing at such a young age as a redshirt sophomore, I feel like that offers up a lot to his development where he, he could be a big play guy.
0: And, and you saw it in the film too. Like one thing about it, he's a super flexible rusher, he bends and he's got, and he uses that speed. Um, I, feel, I feel like he fits on a 3 4. Um, it's just where where his size is right now that's kind of where uh you know where he where he fits but he's a player that i know i saw him earlier um in the, well in the middle of the first round but i feel like he's more towards that around 20 to 25 range but Yeah, he's kind of slowly uh moving his way up um your next guy is
2: Number three, I have Jalen Phillips. He's a former five-star recruit. Uh, he was originally with UCLA. Uh, he banged up his whole career. He transferred to Miami this year, which is where he finally started to shine and show the play that he can be. He, he came on really hot over the last four games of the season with eight sacks. Uh, I, the biggest concern with him, though, is going to be his medicals. Uh, he had three concussions, severe wrist injury from a moped accident, sprains in both of his ankles, and I think he had, he had that wrist injury I was speaking about, but the third concussion actually forced him to medically retire at one point. So having him at three isn't really an indictment of what I think of his play style. I think it's more of his injury history. Obviously, Johnny and I don't have the full scoop that the NFL does here, but there, there's there got to be huge concerns with him medically.
0: Yeah. And like you said, he came on like last year, and it, and it was interesting to see, you know, what helped him was was the next guy on your list, uh, not play You know Rousseau, not playing. You know they because they had Quincy Roche and Rousseau and Phillips, and so there was a lot of talent there in Miami. But but Phillips really got to show off and showcase that, and that's what moved him up uh, yeah. a lot of boards. Uh, but your your number four guy is a guy I just mentioned.
2: Yeah, uh, Gregory Rousseau, uh sticking with the Miami pass rushers. But I think he's he opted out this season. He showed a lot of promise last year. Uh, great length at 6'6", 260. Uh, he played a bit all over Miami's front of the line. He he lined up on the edge. They also snuck him in on the interior. Uh, at, his, at his weight, though, I don't really see him lining up in the interior at the next level. Uh, one thing I'm not a big fan, though, a lot of his pressures, they all come – from when he's lined up in the interior, or their kind of cleanup sacks, but he he offers a lot of potential based on his length and his skill set with only one season. So I think that there's a chance that he's more prediction over production right now, since we only have that one season of film.
0: Yeah, and and you know, super long, lean defensive end. I feel like he's got um, the frame to add some weight as well. So, um, but what you said was right, like. He, a lot of his sacks weren't, you know, beating the guy. It was it was the cleanup sacks, and um, you know, a lot of people had him as a number one defensive end, edge rusher, uh, in the class going into 2020. And then, you know, he sat out, and I feel like it dropped. It, it's I feel like it's kind of dropped him a tiny bit. Um, unfortunately, I, that that hurt him a little bit. But it, my thing is, I still think he gets picked in the first round. Um, he still has first round talent. That frame, that size, um, you know, I, I feel that a lot of teams are gonna be be one to actually uh, know, look at him and say he could develop into something, especially with his size.
2: Yeah, I'd say I, he's a first rounder for sure.
0: Yeah, um, your next guy is a guy that's, as I've seen, has been rising up a lot of boards, and I know you're really high on him. Uh, another guy that you're you're pretty high on, but uh, we'll get right into there.
2: Uh, So number five, we have Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's defense just saw massive improvement once he returned from his uh, suspension. Uh, He's another guy with a high pass rush win rate, 24.7%, fourth highest over the last two seasons. I feel like he already has elite traits against the run and the pass. I've seen him mocked all over the place, though. I think the league is higher on him than the media. Uh, Jeremiah had him kind of near the end of round one, but I've seen some guys kind of throw him out as a third or a fourth round guy. But based on the impact that he had when he returned, like Oklahoma's defense was a mess. They were giving up like 30 points a game, came back. They're averaging probably around 14 points a game. Those are just numbers off, roughly off the top of my head, but he's just a disruptive playmaker. He has a blend of strength, power, athleticism. And I think he could just be a double-digit sack guy at the next level.
0: And what you said was um great against the the pass and the run which yeah for me that's what you said with a lot of teams having him a lot higher than what the media has him um i and when a guy like Daniel Jeremiah puts him in a mock draft late in a mock draft or he puts a you know obscure name that you're not thinking about you know he's got ears around around the league so He he knows he's listening he's hearing what teams are saying what executives are saying so that puts a lot of stock into into that as well where where a player is going to be positioned to go but no you're right I've seen people put him in like the third round uh, sneaking possibly in the beginning of the fourth round I have seen that Um, I'm not quick to put him that low for me I have him in the second round going in like the you know around the middle of the second round that's kind of where I have um, where I see him going but no this. For him, this guy's the limit. He's 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 slowly rising his way up the draft board.
2: I, I feel like it's more because he doesn't have like the flashy traits. He's just more of a consistent winner.
0: Yeah. No, you're. He right. doesn't have and, like that
2: that speed or insane athleticism. He he's just consistently pretty good to great at everything he does. Yeah,
0: and the the next guy is a guy that, um, I really like uh, from.
2: Wake Forest, Car- go ahead. Uh, Carlos Boogie Basham. He had a little bit of a down season compared to last year, but he's another player. He he has a good football IQ. He actually had a streak of 23 streak games with a tackle for a loss. Uh, pressure. He had a pressure on the quarterback in all 34 games at Wake Forest and throughout his career. Uh, great wingspan, 81 inches, a powerful rusher. Uh, he had over, I think, 60 pressures last year, around 40 this year. But I think he's one of those guys where, since he had a little bit of a down year, he, people are kind of forgetting what he was able to put together last year. He just saw more attention this year than he was typically used to, and I, I think that's why he kind of took a little bit of a fall this year. But he's still pretty consistent edge rusher, good against the pass, good against the run.
0: Yeah, I th- and I think he can be great in all phases of the game. And he, he's the type of player that, if he's available when the Eagles pick in the second round. He's the type of player that I would absolutely want on the Eagles because he fits the type of um, the type of defense that Gannon wants to run. Have a bigger and and he weighed a lot a lot heavier than I thought he was going to weigh two, the,
2: 281 I think it was.
0: Exactly, which I thought he was in like the 250s range, um, but he weighed in um, a lot heavier. So, but I feel like he's he's a guy that uh, go in the second round um, in the draft and is some someone that I think would fit perfectly in Philadelphia. Um, the next guy is a guy that we spoke to LaVar about, uh, Jason Oa.
2: Yeah, like like LaVar was touching on, I love the athletic upside, even though he hasn't flashed it 100% all on the field yet to be that dominant player yet. But he's still only a redshirt sophomore, only played about 20 games so far. I think early on, you're going to see him kind of pigeonholed into a situational, situational pass rusher. It's going to take him a little bit of time to develop as a against a run but i feel like he should get better as he adds more strength uh some of the measurables i just want to point out like we're talking about how athletic he is he lavar lavar saying four three i think he was timed once at four three three in the 40. he has a 36 and a half inch vertical and 127 inch broad jump which just shows how much explosiveness he actually has in him that just hasn't been tapped in yet once he's able to develop some technique from coaching at the next level, I mean, there there's a lot of potential there. It's just not fully tapped yet.
0: And and the thing is, what's his size? Because people are seeing those numbers are thinking, ah, oh, he must be a super light, super lean, like really small type of guy.
2: Which uh, is not... uh, yeah, he's six five I think around like two fifty. Yeah. So, so I mean not... it's not like it's not like it's like a two twenty off ball linebacker. I mean, he's a big dude who could take some blocks on. Yeah. And
0: that, that... Like what he what he said with uh, that, and I know he ran in the, in the four threes. It, that's absolutely nuts for someone that size to be able to be that quick, and that fast. Um, like I said, redshirt sophomore, his development for me, his ceiling, all pro level. Just with everything, his makeup, you know, his speed, the elusiveness, the athleticism, all that is there. So the sky's the limit for him, and that's why I see him going in the late first. I could see definitely uh sneaking um, into that late first round range um, just because of the the measurables and the athleticism. It just it's off the charts. Yeah. Um your next guy is Joseph Osai from Texas.
2: Uh, Osai 6'3, 245, uh, junior out of Texas. I feel like his pass rush moves aren't fully developed yet, but he is a decent pass rusher. He's more more of one of those well balanced players. He's good decent against the run. Decent in coverage. He just doesn't have any of those elite traits that really stand out and value the way Jason Owen does. He has a knack for making plays, though. Three force fumbles this year. And it just seems like he's always around the ball. He had those three force fumbles this year, the fumble recovery, two pass deflections, so he could decent coverage. And last year he also had two picks. uh, Very good against the run, 29 tackles for a loss over the last two seasons also. So I, th- I feel like he's going to fit in nicely as a 3-4 edge rusher somewhere for a team.
0: Yeah, and with him, he played a lot. Like, it wasn't just one position. He took some snaps at inside linebacker. Yep. Um, he took some snaps, you know, all over the defensive line. So it wasn't like it was one set position for him. So that, that may have hurt a tiny bit in terms of being able to watch him. And you're only um, able to see him in a number of things. You're not able to see him in one set position where he could basically show you a lot more than what he what he can do at all different positions um but no he, he's a player that's you know a developmental player that could absolutely be uh one of the top rushers in this class like i said this this pass rush class is so deep and you know that the top end of it is you know pretty pretty loaded and everything but you can get down into the fourth and fifth round and still find a guy that uh, can be productive for you. That's, that's how deep this, this class is. Um, not, not so deep as the defensive tackle class, which we may touch on, um, you know, a couple of a couple of the guys, but, um, your last guy, your, your 10th guy.
2: We're only on number nine, number nine, uh, Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh, uh, 24 tackles for a loss, uh, 17 and a half sacks in the last 22 games. Uh, I think he's a little scheme dependent. He's kind of limited to a four uh, three defensive end. Uh, he doesn't because re- he doesn't really have that experience in coverage right now. But he's a solid run defender. Uh, Sixty two pressures, pressures and ten sacks in two thousand nineteen. So it took a little bit of a dip this year, with only thirty nine pressures and nine sacks. But I think the potential is still there. He th- took more of a step back this se- this season just because I lost uh, one of their defensive tackles to an opt out, Jalen Twyman who has, he takes on a lot of, he takes a lot of pressure off with his pass rough skills, in my opinion.
0: Well, yeah, Pittsburgh had, and that video wasn't uploaded, so we didn't have that one to go over his um, video of it. But, you know, 80-inch wingspan, um, the senior bowl helped him a little bit, um, I feel. But, you know, Pittsburgh had really good ends with with Weaver coming back from an injury um, and then having Jones on the other side. Uh, Jones is the bigger of the two guys, but... But they they both just cause havoc. And it's just he's always, you know, Jones can play in, in either or. He could play in a three-four or he could play in a four-three. He's not scheme dependent. So I I think Jones is is a very intriguing player and you know has the size and the skill set to do anything for any defense that um were to draft him. So for that it's that benefits him because he can do um, anything, no matter what defense the team that drafts him plays. Um, now to your number 10 guy from Oregon State.
2: Number 10, Hamilkar Rashid. Uh, so I, I think he is one of the oddest case studies in this draft. There was just a huge drop off in his production this year. You, you just don't really ever see anything like that. So last season – Uh, 14 sacks 22 and a half tackles for a loss and this season in seven games he had no sacks two tackles for a loss and only pressured a quarterback eight times so there's still a lot to like about him based off of last season it's just really we don't know what to expect out of him going forward he did play through injury this season so I feel like that's what mostly hurt his performance this year but there's no way to really know for sure until his medicals are checked but Last season, like he he has a lot of speed as you saw in the videos. Uh, if he's able to reach the production that he reached last year, he was more of a leap first, maybe second rounder coming into this season. What we saw in film was more of like a fifth or a sixth rounder if that so it's kind of hard to gauge where the stock really ends up, but if you get the player you got last year, you're getting a steal.
0: yeah, and for him I, I feel he's a player that will fit in a three four. Being able to be an edge, um, an edge guy, edge rusher. Um, I just feel his size. He is undersized. Um, the like you said, the the production. You know, to go from 14 sacks to then go to zero. I know it was like seven games, but that's. I think I think a lot of scouts are going to see that. They're going to look look at that, and it may drop him down a little bit. He may go in, you know, the late second, possibly into the third round, depending. Um, but you're right. It is a weird case study. You're looking at that and usually don't see a huge drop off, um, unless there's an injury. So, and again, was he playing hurt? Was he, you know, trying to battle through, um, some injuries, but no, he's definitely, um, an interesting one to think about. And like I said, these last couple of guys, you could put so many different names, um, like, like looking at this edge, edge class, I was looking at guys like Shaka Tony from Penn State, uh, Quincy Roche, uh, Joe, Joe Tryon, uh, Rashad Weaver, Peyton Turner, Ellison Smith, Dalen Hayes, Janarius Robinson, Taryn Jackson. You know, that's that's another handful of guys. That's another, basically another top 10 of players. And, you know, out, out of those guys, who, intru- who intrigues you the most?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that you didn't really touch on yet there. Just because yeah. I want to throw it out, it'll be a little bit different. I feel he's another guy where his Chris uh, Rumph, yep. I was gonna say his draft stock all over the place. You could see him going anywhere from the second or the seventh. He's an interesting case study because he he's a fantastic pass pass rusher, but the the thing with him is he only weighs two twenty five. So there's not really many many guys you see come in and play every snap at that kind of size as an edge rusher but he's just so good at what he does where I think he could fit in as a situational pass rusher. It's kind of hard to really assess where his value is because of that. If you look last year,
0: Duke also had another rusher on the, on the other side too. So he had another really talented player on the other side. Um, So for, for Rumpf it's like I said, the the size he's going to be dependent on, a team to draft him and use him as a specialist unless he can gain some yep. weight. And, um, you know, 225 is pretty small. If you're going to be an edge rusher, um, not every down, but if he's using as a, a, uh, a situational pass rusher, kind of like when the, the Cowboys, Randy, uh, Gregory, when he came in, he was a long lean, you know, I think he was like 235 to, you know, uh, defensive end coming in gained a little bit of weight, and then is turning into a decent uh, pass rusher, something Rump, Rump can look at and you know put a little bit of pounds. He has the frame to be able to put the pounds on and then to be that situational pass rusher for a team yeah. that drafts him.
2: Yeah, he, he reminds me a little bit of Carter Coughlin, who's a guy I was really high on coming out last year. Uh, he ended up going to my Giants in the I think it was the sixth or seventh round. But he was another undersized edge rusher coming out who just kind of won consistently the same way Rumpf does. So I'm, I'm interested to see where, where Rumpf ends up and how he's able to produce at the next level at that size.
0: Yeah, and uh, any other guys that um, you want to talk about in the defensive end class? Because I, th- I feel like the senior bowl really helped uh, people open – open their eyes to some of these other prospects like the Dalen Hayes and the Janarius Robinson, Ellerson Smith, Peyton Turner, you know, these guys, um, you know, really showed like, I I really like Ellerson Smith. I like his size. Um, I feel like he can fit like for like, look like the way I look at prospects too, is I'll look at them and how they'll fit, you know, my team as well. And if it's a player that, you know, possibly can fit, I'll really do a little, um, you know, deeper dive onto what yeah. kind of a player and like what they do. And Ellison Smith is a player that would fit perfect. A bigger defensive end um, can play the run, but he showed pass rush skills, And but he uses his size. So that's, and you saw it in, in the, the practice tape with the senior bowl. So he's a player I, I, I'm, I really like, I'm high on. I think I'm maybe higher than most when it comes to, um, when it comes to him, but he's one guy that I'm really, and of course, I don't want to always say I'm super high on Penn State players, but I see a lot of, I watch every Penn State game. So, you know, I can, I watch all these guys, but Shaka Tony, you know, when he's playing Indiana, he plays out of his mind because he seems like he gets five sacks a game when he plays against one team, but he's another one. He's in that, I think he's in that Chris Rump thing where he's got that undersized, you know, he's not, I think he's like 235, maybe. Um, He's a little, little undersized, but, his burst and his get off is so fast. Um, he's another player that you know could go higher than expected. Not saying he's going in the first round, but I mean he can go higher in the middle or middle rounds, in the late second possibly, because of the speed and because of you know what he can do for uh, a lot of defenses in using a pass rush specialist. Because a lot of teams rotate defensive linemen now, defensive ends, and try to get the pass Keep rush them fresh. Back. Exactly. Keeping them fresh. And it's just something that you see a lot of, which, you know, bodes well for this class because, you know, a lot of teams like to use three, four, five different defensive ends to keep, like you said, to keep them fresh. And, you know, this, this class is going to help that because there's a lot of, a lot of talent uh, up and down uh, this board. Um, we could talk a little bit about defensive tackles. Um, it's not all right. Super, it's not super deep. Um, the thing is like like with these defensive tackles, like like you and I spoke about it it's there's no game changer. there isn't a super game there isn't a Derek brown. there isn't that that type of player that's off the charts. There's a number of really solid players that could be productive, you know productive NFL players, but you know the two guys I like are Davian Nixon and Christian Barrymore from uh, Nixon from Iowa and Barrymore from Alabama. But, I, you know, just the first guy here, uh, Barrymore, it, it's tough because he he didn't play – like, Alabama liked to rotate. So he didn't play as much as, you, as you'd like. He had a little bit of injuries, but he could play the one technique. He could play the three technique. He could play the five technique. So – he's very versatile and he could fit in any, any defense, um, that were to draft him. So for me, I think he's going to be the first defensive tackle that will be drafted. Um, that's just, that's just my opinion there. And I feel like the game against Notre Dame really helped him shine a little bit. Um, especially when you're on a national stage like that. Uh, we saw it when Josh Jacobs went for it, uh, uh went off on Clemson when, um, on that national stage, but, I think I think Barrymore is one of those guys. I think he's gonna go in the first round, possibly later in the first round. Um, but I think he may be I think he may be the only one. I think Nixon will slide to round two. But what are yeah. your feelings on on Barrymore? I,
2: I feel like he he helped himself a lot over the last few weeks of the season, uh, with his sack in the last five of his last six, six games. Also, I think playing for Alabama, he's you're always gonna catch everyone's attention, especially with the production they've gotten out of guys the last couple of years. I mean, we've seen Quinnen Williams, Sean Robinson, Raquan Davis, Jonathan Allen, Daron Payne, like every year they have some kind of defensive lineman that comes out and impresses. So uh, I'm impressed with Barmore too. I feel like he's kind of the next up in that, that level of players and probably the most gifted uh, pass rush wise out of anyone in this class. Defensive tackle wise.
0: Exactly. And the number two guy, um, for me, David Nixon, I think he, he really showed out in this, you know, pandemic shortened season. Um, he really showed out and he was, you know, lighting up, um, you know, during the games and, you know, he's, he just flashes. He has the flash. He has that, that ability, um, you know, right there, you know, to read and react and, I just feel like he's, he could slip into the late first, but um, I think he's going to be a second round selection. You know, he's, he's one of the, f- the, the one of the few things, you know, with him is the, the production. And of course I remember this play against uh, Penn State, just what he did. And you could see that you could see he's quick. You know, he has the, the quickness and the elusiveness. And I just feel that he's a player that is rising he may rise above Barrymore in terms of where he's drafted. But for me, I have him at number two just because Barrymore and what he's shown on the national stage against SEC opponents and what he's done, I put him just a little bit ahead of Nixon. But for me, those guys are like – for me, those guys are like neck and neck. They're right there, 1A, 1B. Uh, I don't know how you feel in terms of the defensive tackle rankings. Do you think those guys are the one two, Or do you like um, – you like Wilson or – you know, do you uh, like
2: I have on, on I have Muzurique. Barmore's Bar, Barmore is my consensus one. For my number two, I feel like that's where there's kind of like that that next tier where you can talk like, okay, is it Nixon? Is it Levi on Wazirik? Is it Wilson? Is it Tufflay? Uh, even uh, Jalen Flyman, we talked about him a little bit earlier out of pit. I feel like that's kind of the next tier where Barmore's kind of in a league of his own. But I, I like um Jalen Flyman, as I touched on a little bit earlier out of Pitt. He, he he opted out this year, so people kind of forget how how good he is as a pass rusher. 11 sacks last season, and he doesn't win with just power or speed. He has like a well-developed arsenal of moves that he's able to use and win with. I feel like I'd probably actually put him in number two if he didn't opt out. I, I was reading um, Trevor Sakema from uh, NFL Draft Network. He was actually saying Twyman has put on 20 pounds in the off season, which I, I kind of thought he needed to add a little bit of weight to improve himself as a run defender. So I'm kind of hoping to see like, I'm a little worried if he's going to still have the same pass rush technique with an extra 20 pounds on him, Definitely if he's going to be the same be, player. Yeah. yeah. But if he's able to do what he can do now, 20 pounds heavier, improve himself in the run game. I feel like he, he has like that number two spot for me. I just don't know yet. Cause we don't have a film of it.
0: Yeah. And, who would you say is a sleeper defensive tackle?
2: Sleeper defensive tackle. Uh, I a McNeil. McNeil, I like.
0: A lot of uh, people are pretty high on him.
2: Yeah. So I feel like he's still learning the position a little bit. He played a little bit of running back, uh, linebacker in high school. I like kind of like that versatility, though, like kind of like Lavar was saying, that kind of helps you, I feel. But I feel like he's already very, very good against the run, and there's room for him to grow as a pass rusher. He he, kind of needs to reform his technique a little bit. Um, seven sacks last year, none this year. But I feel like him as a run defender and the potential to grow as a pass rusher. I like him as a sleeper in the later rounds.
0: Uh, a player I like, um, you know, we talked about him when he was Senior Bowl. Um, Cam Sample. Uh, he's kind of a tweener. He's a uh, you know a little bit of a, a bigger end to possibly playing a little defensive tackle. But you know he's great, great with sh- uh, the shedding of blocks and a super active hands. And we saw him going up against the interior um, offensive lineman at the senior bowl. And, you know, he was making him look silly. He was able to get the pressure. He was able to, um, you know, use his, his moves. And I feel like his, his, his repertoire of moves are a lot higher to see some of these, uh, some of the guys coming in. Um, But he really showed what he can do on, you know, playing for Tulane, you know, you don't get that much, you know, big notoriety, um, you know, big primetime games or anything like that. So he's a guy that I'd, I'd like in the in the later rounds of a um, a sleeper. Like you say, he's my Taron Jackson of the defensive tackles. Yeah, you as you were talking say,
2: about him, that's what was exactly who I was thinking of. <laughs> I was like, wow, he didn't throw him out there when we were talking edge rushers? <laughs> I know, I didn't throw him
0: out there. I think I've talked enough about him, so I don't have to, to go too deep into uh, discussing him again. Um, but maybe – if Eagles draft them, I have to get myself a Terrence Jackson
2: Jersey. So I'm sure we'll see it uh, next year, right? Hanging right behind you on a A, draft (laughs) talk. (laughs) But uh,
0: so, you know, that kind of breaks down the defensive, the edge rushers and defensive tackles. Um, Next week, we're going to do a pre free agency mock draft. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun because we haven't done one in, in a little bit. So, It gives us that basically before all the big free agent moves and um, all that happens, we're going to go and do our mock draft that's going to be 100% wrong. So then we can just come back and do another one after the free agency moves. But um, definitely want to do a pre-free agency mock draft to kind of outline kind of where – because a lot lot of teams are cutting some players. They're doing some releases, doing the cap casualties. So it gives us a a chance to start – you know, doing some mock drafts and with some of these pro days that are happening and, um, all these, these combines and, you know, everything that they're doing, you know, it gives us some, uh, you know, it'll kind of see where the position, where these players are, uh, going to align themselves according to us, of course, uh, who don't know anything. We'll say that we don't know where they're going, but, um, Tommy and I are going to alternate picks. So it should be a fun show. Um, you know, I to I want to thank um, all the people that you know support us and everything. All everyone who follows us, everyone who comments, uh, we absolutely appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check out aetbirds.com uh, for all the latest. Uh, also, make sure um, on aetbirds.com uh, you go send any any one of us a, a, a direct message or you know anything. Uh, we're doing a March Madness tournament, aetbirds uh, bracket challenge. So. If you want to get in on it, uh, the rules are on the website. Uh, but some quick, quick little uh, synopsis of it is uh, five dollar buy-in. Uh, you can have as many brackets as you want. Um, you just got to send, um, you know, send one of us a message. Um, you know, you got Everything is in the article. But if you want to message one of us, we can certainly help you out as well. Um, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But uh, just make sure you, you tune into all the shows. Uh, we got a lot of lot of great shows. Um, we have Chips and Dish on Monday night. We have Fairway to Heaven on Tuesdays. We have our AT Birds weekly show on Wednesdays, and we have our uh, on Thursday. I so. Yeah, I'll get to that one. That's a good one. That's a, really, <laughs> that's a good show. Um, on Thursday, we're gonna have. Our Eagles Vault show is going to come back this upcoming week. We're going to have David Akers on to uh, to talk about, you know, everything Philadelphia Eagles. You know, maybe dig in some stories. So that should be a fun show. Uh, make sure you keep an eye on uh, that. I don't have an exact time yet. I'll know on Monday the exact time. So uh, just keep keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll make sure we are out there promoting that. Fridays, a YouTube exclusively. Um, we have Eagle Jeff and uh, Peanut, they have their Birds Beer and BS show. Um, if you go on YouTube, the two episodes are up from the last two weeks. Uh, it, they're they're pretty good shows. You have to, you have to uh, definitely uh, tune into that. Subscribe. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Um, you know, all I gotta say is Jeff behind the mic, getting a little uh, heated, is gold. So it's something you definitely have to check out. Um, I know Tommy can agree with me on that. Uh, we know for sure.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it's a fun. It's a fun watch though. I enjoy the, the new show. It's a great
0: show. So make sure you're you're uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and
2: you, you can always catch like replays of us if you miss us too. All the shows are up on YouTube too. So make sure you do like and subscribe.
0: Exactly, and the uh, our show comes back on the next Saturday night. So. Uh, I want to thank um, everyone who supports us. They appreciate it. And I'm going to go with Go Birds!